The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get to our guest. It's Mark Chandler, Chief Market Strategist and Managing Partner at Bannockburn Global. Mark, if you're right that the dollar's bull market is over and if the dollar is easing from here, that that should add to people taking on uh, more risk. However, what we're seeing right now is... um, you know, we're really seeing equity markets tank here going into the end of the year. Do you think that changes soon, or is, is that a trend that continues? Well, I say two things. Thanks a lot for having me. But first, I'd say that the, uh, I think that we're seeing a lot of just position churning right now. And you're right, the stock market looks heavy going into the year end, no Santa Claus rally. But at the same time, what we're seeing is actually the dollar is strengthening. And so what I think happened is that in the fourth quarter, it was just an amazing quarter for the dollar, poor for the dollar. Almost all the G7, G10 currencies, except the Canadian dollar, rose by more than 5% against the greenback. And so while the greenback now, I think, is just technically correcting into the year end, maybe even into early next year, uh, I think we're seeing the same thing in the stock market, that the, uh, the thing that's helping the dollar, same thing going on in the stock market. And that's been a big jump in interest rates. Well, Mark, I found it quite instructive and interesting that uh, in September, when we saw the uh, probably sterling at its lowest ebb, that you were calling the whole situation there with the shenanigans and, should I say, the general incompetence as was perceived by many analysts of the British government, that you were calling it brittly. What happens next? Yeah, I was kind of like shocked. For me, the, the whole idea of The Economist magazine calling it brittly, and I was on a, I was on a show, a radio show uh, out of the U.S. with Tom Keene, and People were talking about uh, uh, sterling as being an emerging market currency. And to me, that's a reflection of the extreme that market psychology gets in the market, uh, sometimes at, at extreme turning points. So a lot of people are – and they're still talking about a test on parity for sterling, given the five-quarter recession or so the Bank of England's predicting. I think that the same kind of thing that uh, we see generally with the dollar, that is sterling went from 103.50 to almost 125. And so it's consolidating now around 120. I can see a couple, another cent or so pullback. But I think that next year is going to be one in which the dollar generally weakens. So does that mean that you think that even the selling in equity, that this has gone a bit too far, uh, are investors just acting a little too pessimistic? I don't know. I mean, equities to me is a, it's almost like it's a different animal than foreign exchange. And so that risk-off sentiment, I think what makes it different is that this year, so think about what happened this year, 2022. U.S. economy contracted first half. Let's come back stronger the second half. And I think many people are looking for the exact opposite in 2023, where you get a stronger U.S. economy in the first half. And then 
the culmination of the Fed rate hikes, uh, the consumer being capped out with the cost of living squeeze, all pushes the U.S. economy into recession in the second half of the year. And so I, I think that's going to be hard for, uh, for a lot of people who look at the stock market as some, some relationship to P.E. ratios. I think it's a very hard game to play. Now, when you look at that as well, so, you know, what about the bond market? I mean, there's a lot of juice there. Is there value, though? I think that's what we're seeing now, you know, uh, since the Bank of Japan surprised the market. But even really before that, if we take a look at, like, uh, uh, ECB hawkishness relative to the Fed Lagarde, the ECB president has practically pre-committed the ECB to another 50 basis point rate hike uh, in early February. And the market is betting there'll be another 50 basis points behind it. And so I do think that there's been this big adjustment in interest rates with Euro- the spreads between the U.S. and Europe really closing. One of the ones I track for the euro-dollar relationship is the U.S.-German two-year interest rate differential. That I had anticipating the peak before the euro bottomed. And that peak, that spread peaked at almost, say, 280 basis points back in August. Euro bottoms in late September, and that spread now, the U.S. that premium has fallen by 100 basis points. So if we look into next year and you think that the dollar does continue to weaken, uh, what currencies in Asia in particular look good to you? Well, I think that's a good point. I mean, because Asia is uh, dependent a lot on world growth. You think about what's going on now with uh, South Korea and Taiwanese exports, that, that uh, the electronics, electronic goods. As consumers in the U.S. and Europe shift away from goods to services, you're really seeing the exports collapse in South Korea and Taiwan. Uh, but I think that the uh, it's interesting that the South Korean currency has begun strengthening with the help of, it looks like, South Korean uh, officials trying to talk it higher. Uh, so I think in, in Asia, a lot rests on what happens with China. I think that uh, a lot of people were so critical of China's zero-COVID policy because of the harm it was doing to the economy. And it turns out that they didn't use that time of zero-COVID to build up their health care infrastructure, their public health infrastructure. So the, just as disruptive as a no-COVID policy was, uh, this uh, surge of uh, cases and, and fatalities looks like it's going to be another major disruption that Asian economies in particular will have to sort of navigate, especially in the first part of 2023. But, Mark, do you, do you think that it's true, what you say is true? They, they didn't use the time to vaccinate the public, but the, the virus has weakened. Uh, does that work in everyone's favor? I don't know. I mean, it's weakened yet. I mean, I was just looking at Japan has a record number of cases now as well. And you see what's going on and you hear what's going on in the U.S. between the flu, uh, uh, COVID, and some kind of upper respiratory issue. Uh, So, yeah, I'm not sure that... uh, that uh, we should really write off yet, but I'm no doctor. But it doesn't know. It doesn't seem like we should just write off COVID as like almost like the Chinese did this about face. From say early September, it was a bad thing. We got to lock down cities and areas of cities. To it's just like the common cold. So I don't know. I just think it's going to be a major disruption uh, that we still are trying to deal with through the first quarter. Yeah. So, you know, where does that leave the, leave the Chinese economy in your view, Mark? And where does it leave also the currency? And so the economy goes, I think that what we're going to ha- what's going to happen is that China is going to uh, go for really growth, uh, stimul- stimulative policies, 
uh, as soon as I mean, it's, I mean, already beginning being able to draw down on uh, at towards the end of this year, being able to draw down on next year's quotas for loans. But I think you get a real big push from the economy, and so maybe Chinese economy strengthens, say, towards mid-year, while the U.S. economy sort of rolls over a bit. When it comes to the currency, it's hard for me. You know, I've been watching currencies my whole career, and it's hard for me to really understand how China is able to keep it in such uh, tight ranges and stable, uh, very low volatility, which makes it attractive then for fund managers. My guess is, and uh, is that really that right now China is happy to keep the currency shadowing the uh, the euro and the and the yen against the dollar. And so recently, in the last couple of days, the dollar has been strengthening a little bit against the euro and yen. And I think that we're going to go back above, uh, the dollar is going to go back above 7.0 against the RMB, maybe go towards 7.05 or a little bit higher than that. I think that we're in a corrective phase and that a weaker Chinese currency uh, makes a lot of sense. Okay, we haven't talked too much about Japan. Um, Mr. Yen told our Kathleen Hayes he could see around 120 to 125 for dollar yen. Uh, what are you thinking about um, where the yen goes with that weakness in the dollar you're predicting? Yeah, the yen is really interesting. Huh? I mean, the, some central banks like the Federal Reserve, they're criticized for being a slave to the market. And then there's other central banks like uh, the Bank of England and now the Bank of Japan who seem to want to go out of their way to surprise the market. So the Bank of Japan caught everybody off guard. And I think that's really becomes the question. You know, nobody wants to be bitten by that same dog twice. So what that means is that because we were surprised by the Bank of Japan, people don't want to be surprised again. So they're pricing in, in effect, uh, that this was just a first step of others that are going to be coming in Q1. As you know, Japan has a minus 10 basis point uh, overnight like target rate. And the market's pricing that to be positive by the end of Q1. I'm doubting that. I think that the fiscal policies of the Japanese government are going to lower inflation, to jump in the dollar, to jump in the yen, going for the dollar falling from over 150 down to the yeah. mid 130s, all going to help contain inflation. Okay. All right, Mark, thanks very much. Of course, Mr. Yen is Suke Sakikibara, and Mark Chandler is Chief Market Strategist and Managing Partner at Bannockburn Global. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.